Greetings, everyone. It is now time for Mark Safe, tales of your very favorite and most beloved man-made disasters. On Mark Safe, we discuss events and details that some may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Please listen responsibly. And now, here with your hosts, Brianne and Melanie, this is Mark Safe. Hi, Brianne. Good evening, Melanie. Did you have a good holiday? I did. We stayed home and only celebrated with the three of us. Our foster daughter had a visit, so it was just us three, and we cooked lots and ate, and it was lovely. Do you have a turkey? No. You don't like turkey, right? Oh, I got out of the whole Thanksgiving season without ever telling my turkey story. I know. And you know what? I kind of don't want to know. I don't want to know. You can tell me next year. (laughs) It's a matter of time before my mom puts me on blast. She loves to tell people the turkey story. (laughs) Uh, But no, we didn't. We actually uh, had steak. (laughs) I made two turkeys. I always make two turkeys every year. Why? Why? Um, it just started a long time ago, um, when we were in Oregon because we would do Thanksgiving with, um, Cody's dad and stepmom. And then on Friday, his sister and her family would come up and then we would do another one with the whole family. So I did. That makes sense. Yeah. So normally I do a sausage stuffed turkey breast on Thanksgiving and then I'll do a full turkey on that Friday. And I really didn't have to do that this year because it was just us, but I'm a creature of habit and you know, I like food. Well, I threw habit to the wind this year and we made some bougie gourmet mac and cheese, ribeye steaks and uh dessert. Bougie mac and cheese? What's bougie mac and cheese? Um it's it's homemade. It's got different cheeses in it. It's I mean, it actually doesn't have any fancy cheeses in it, really. You shred your own cheese. It's got different steps. It's just, it's a little more involved. <laughs> a lot more involved than the craft box. Yeah, it's, it's. I, I think I googled fancy mac and cheese. <laughs> and, then, and that's what I got. And then the arguments that ensue on how you're supposed to make boxed macaroni and cheese. That's like the my favorite part of the mom group when they fight over mac and cheese. That's what you're there for. That's what, that's the only thing I'm there for. How do you make your mac and cheese? Do you drain it? Do you mix all the powder and the milk and butter first? Or do you just dump it all together? I don't think all- I actually knew that was the debate. Because I don't, I don't really cook craft mac and cheese very often at all. What? I thought there You've was You've missed this to- thread? This is Yes, been- and I thought there was only one way to do it. What? How do you do it? No, Hold there's on. there's multiple macaroni and cheese fights in our mom group. It happens like feels like every six months we get into this I know there's like one about is it a side or is it a dinner? No, this is specifically how do you make craft macaroni and cheese? And I know there's one about what it's called, like is it craft dinner or whatever. <laughs> But, okay, hold on. What what are the contested components here? Okay, so, like, when I make Kraft macaroni and cheese, so you boil the macaroni, you strain it, mm-hmm. you put it to the side. Then in the pan, you have your butter. You, what? You melt it with the milk, and then you whisk in the, the powdered cheese. 
and you get Why that. Why you do that? Because you, you. That's not what the directions say. Because you mix, you make it like a sauce. And so you have your cheese sauce and then you put the noodles in and you mix it all together. Some of these insane people in our group just fucking throw it all in the same pot. Yeah, that's because we can read the directions, Melanie. No, but then you get the clumps. No. I don't want to bite. a little longer. No. Because the noodles, you know, the little elbows, they have like a hole in it. And then they've got these little like hidden powder bombs. I don't want to bite into a noodle and have like a powder explosion in my mouth. That's fucking disgusting. I wish you could see the look I'm giving this you right now. I'm telling you. What the fuck? They are not created equal. Okay, well, this is something I didn't know I had a strong opinion on. So you just and I, you just I never anticipated myself judging someone for, but here we are. Of course, I do. Mm. I mean, I I really don't like Kraft mac and cheese in particular, so I don't. So you don't get an opinion. No, I do because I've cooked it and I know how. Just because I don't want to eat it doesn't mean I don't know how to cook it. Y'all, this is what happens when the election's over. I do have similar problems with Hamburger Helper, though. I love Hamburger Helper. I love it. I actually like it pretty well too. I don't like it that often, but I when I like it, I really like it. But I do find that there can be issues with powder clumping in Hamburger Helper. This is the content people are here for, Melanie. You know that, right? Well, speaking of food. So I do have a system for Hamburger Helper. What's your system first? Um, I have to whisk the powder with the warm water in a separate bowl because it doesn't dissolve properly unless the water is warm. Um, And then put the milk in and the butter because once you put the cold in, it clumps up real bad and you can never really unclump it, which I don't really think is according to the actual package directions but i don't care but i no that's the same shit that happens with macaroni it isn't though have you ever tried it no no it totally doesn't i don't know i'm telling you you're making macaroni wrong carry on i got 10 bits for those that are not on social media which why not come on (laughs) Join our Facebook group, The Horrible Ghouls. It's lots of fun. Okay. Um, so please give us a Timbits product review and maybe we can get a sponsorship. Oh, Marnie Express Marnie. shipped a big old box of Timbits. And you know what? They are everything I fucking imagine them to be. Okay. Are they basically donut holes? They're like if Jesus made donut holes. Oh my! They're what so is, good. And listen, in detail, m- my kids—they're uh, just so tender. You know what I mean? They're just yeah. Oh, they're just—it's like little kisses in your mouth. Oh, oh, they're heavenly. And listen, my kids like are picky. You know, and I asked <laughs> them. I said. <laughs> No, I did. I wasn't going to share with them. I was going to ask. But then I was looking around my house and I'm like, it's really messy. So I'm like, hey, guys, look at these Timbits. They're from Canada. <laughs> if you clean up the living room, I might share one of my Timbits with you. So I got one. Timbits. Yep. I got Timbits and a clean living room. 
Okay. So and did works. they each get one Timbit per kid? One Timbit. Okay. I mean, let's not get carried away. And there were so many flavors. So, of course, I had to hold that plate forever So because it was such a critical decision in their lives to make sure they picked the right Timbit. What are the flavors? Um, There were some chocolate ones. There was like some raspberry filled Timbits. Yes, they're filled. Okay, so I would like to take this opportunity to announce that I will be doing my next episode on a disaster concerning the Indianapolis Bakery Longs Donuts. If anyone would like to send me some on-theme donuts. Ooh. I'm not really. I just want donuts. Was there a donut disaster? No, I just want donuts. They're so good, This, this seems to be the way you get them. Um, You just got to talk about donuts. Okay, so donuts. I'm manifesting donuts. You got to say it a lot within your episode. Okay, I will. But this isn't my episode. You, Can I say it in your episode, too? Sure. You just okay. got to, like, it's chaos magic. Just throw it out <laughs> into the universe. Someone will send you donuts. Okay. So you're not picky. You don't need Timbits. You just want donuts. I mean, good donuts. Yeah, it has to be good donuts. Are are there bad donuts? Oh, yes. Yes. Like um, the donuts that you get at certain stores, like in the bakery section that are really stale. Or like gas station donuts that are, are usually just real stale and not good. I don't think I've ever had that experience. Now, my favorite donut shop is actually in Oregon and it's not the I mean voodoo donuts is like all the rage anyone that goes to Portland like that's what they want but that's not my favorite place there's this other place it's called dough donuts and it's a vegan donut shop I'm not even vegan but let me tell you these donuts are fucking amazing this is some this is the most donut hipster shit I've ever heard Melanie I know I'm sorry I should stop Let's Jesus. talk about something else. We have a website something now. Horrible? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we're not to horrible stuff yet. Yeah, we have a website. Yeah, we do. I've been working on it for a little bit. Um, you can check it out. We even have a domain name. It's a marksafepodcast.com. As always, I, I want to be really clear that the division of labor in this podcast is bullshit. All the good ideas come from Melanie. All the cool stuff comes from Melanie. Um. So you should get all the credit for everything oh, <laughs> because you no. do. Oh, no, 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 no. It's a really cool website. And I I have nothing to do with that. Yeah. It's, Absolutely it, nothing. It has everything on it. Um, You guys can listen to our episodes on there. Um, We'll have our bios up soon. Brian's just a little bit worried about writing her bio. So um, we're, we're on hold a little bit on that part because it is strange writing about yourself. So, you haven't written yours either. Well. Which I just found out the truth about today. <laughs> I assumed that yours had been written since you started asking me for mine last week. Anyway. And then today I'm like, so can I see yours? So I have something to go off of. And you're like, oh, I haven't written it yet. You know why she wanted to see mine? So she could copy it. <laughs> so I could it. cheat. So she yes. could cheat. Yep. Absolutely. I own that. But it's okay. I'm going to write mine and I'm going to let her cheat. And we'll have our bios <laughs> on the website really soon. But there is another cool option other than being able to directly um, link our email. You know, like I said, send us those emails. We want to hear your stories, your family gossip, all that stuff. And if you don't feel like typing, because some people just don't. And, you know, maybe you were born in the 70s or the 80s like me and you 
don't mind chit-chatting on the phone, when you get on our website, there's a little blue circle with a microphone on it. You can send us a fucking voicemail. Please send us a voicemail. Yeah. It's only two minutes long, but it's set up to where we can actually pull that audio and put it into our podcast. So if you have something great, we can use that. And I really just want some gossip. Yeah. And if you get cut off on two minutes, just call back. Oh, and yeah. Story. If, you, if you have four minutes of gossip, lay it on me. Yeah. Two, four, six, yeah. eight. Who do we appreciate? You. And your gossip. Gossip. Go wait. You know, it's the holidays. Start a fight just to tell us about it. <laughs> Start shit with your Aunt Myrtle. Tell her that her husband cheated on her in 1971. And then call us and tell us about it. We want to know the reactions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Take it's a video so if you can. Yes. We're bored. We're bored. We're just sitting here <laughs> in our houses, not able to go anywhere. Please. No, but I, I feel like everybody has family gossip, even or maybe especially during quarantine. And I just want to hear it. I just want to know. Please. I think it's a trade off. We'll entertain you. You guys entertain us. I think that's only fair. I think it's only fair. Speaking <laughs> of uh, entertainment, you ready to get into this episode? Well, I don't know if I am. <laughs> it's not going to be very entertaining. It's uh, I know less than nothing about your episode. Like, absolutely less than nothing, except that it's apparently a bummer and a bunch of people die. It's a big fucking bummer. So this episode actually came as a recommendation from Haley. Uh, remember I told you she sent us an email with that book list? Yes. Um, pretty much every recommendation that she gave was solid. Um, I'd love to cover a ton of them. But the one I'm doing today, I hadn't really heard of. So I kind of like looked into a little bit. I looked at the book. It's called um, To Sleep With the Angels. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, oh, no. I checked out the description before I read it, and I knew it was going to be heavy, but look, like, that book, it is really fucking heavy. It goes into super graphic detail, and if you can stomach that sort of thing, I highly recommend it. It's incredibly researched. Um, it's very well written. Um, but, yeah, with that said... This episode is also going to be really heavy. Um, There's not really any way around it. Although I am going to try to leave out some of the unsettling imagery. Okay. Okay. So do we have any specific content warnings we need to get out of the way early? Yeah. Massive, massive uh, trigger warning. This disaster involves the death and injury almost exclusively to children. And a lot of them at that. And it's, it's really fucking sad i've gone back and forth on whether i personally want to cover these things that involve children in our podcast you know yeah um i don't know as a parent it's like really hard to hear stories about children getting hurt like i have i have a really hard time with it i do too and it's i i did not understand that until i had kids It, it hits different when you do yeah, Cody will come up to me sometimes and he'll be, he'll have this look on his face and I'll be like, what's wrong, babe? And he's like, I can't tell you. And I'm like, yes, you can. Like, 
don't ever say that to your spouse. Yeah. And like, tell me, it's like I read something sad. And then I'm like, what do you mean you've read something sad? And he's like, I, I told you I didn't want to tell you. And then, you know, I'm like, he'll wind up telling me about an article that he read that involved children. And, you know, it's like the hammock thing that we were talking about. And he's yeah. like, our kids are never going on a hammock. But it fucking sucks when children get hurt. And, uh, you know tiptoeing around that and just being like okay we have a disaster podcast you know where do you draw the line i just take it case by case honestly yeah i don't know it seems to live in hesitate a little like i ones with child deaths kind of get the bottom of the pile for me a little bit right it's not like i wouldn't or i won't we had a little girl die in the concordia disaster that i did right this one i mean yeah, like I don't know. They're definitely in there. To to live in a bubble and mm-hmm. not think that children aren't affected by these things is unrealistic. So yeah, I think if we do it in the right way, I don't know. With the- I mean, I guess I feel like it, we are the very demographic of people who are going to be completely wrecked by hearing it. So right. I'm sorry I'm going to put you through this. It's um, okay. With this particular one, what kind of like solidified my decision to do it was, you remember like some episodes way back when I had talked about how like so many of our safety regulations today are written in blood mm-hmm. that basically we wouldn't have them if something terrible didn't fucking happen. Yep. Like the disasters and the loss of life, they, they create these amazing shifts where we're able to protect ourselves better. It's like a, mm-hmm. a weird evolution. Um, this is one of those stories. Um, and then we'll definitely have some people who say that it's all stupid and it was never a problem in the first place since we've now solved the problem. Yeah, don't fucking do that. That shit makes no. me so fucking mad. No, don't at me with survivorship bias. No, we're not doing that. So, um, this story actually led to a complete overhaul of school fire safety laws. Oh, God. Um, this week, I am going to cover the 1958 Our Lady of the Angels school fire. And, like I said, I hadn't really heard about this. And I didn't realize until I was pretty much finished with my research this episode release uh, coincides with the disaster's 67th or 62nd anniversary. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, I totally try to shoot for anniversary episodes. This wasn't one, um, but it is. So it was okay. just a total coincidence. Okay. All right. You ready? I guess. All right. Hang tight, guys. So in the early 1900s, West Side Chicago around Humboldt Park area was mostly Irish immigrants with some Italian, German, and Polish immigrants in the mix. The community was mainly Roman Catholic, and after holding church service in a store building, the parish would finally build a church. Over the next 50 years, both the community and the church would continuously evolve and grow. The original chapel would be converted to school classrooms for growing young population, and a second building was eventually built next to the old church to house even more students. In 1941, construction of a new church and rectory separate from the two school buildings was completed 
and in 1951, an annex would be built at the back end connecting the two school buildings together. The, the school at this point kind of has like a like a U shape. So okay. you got like these two buildings, like the two fat little buildings next to each other, and then they're like connected. And I looked at like a bunch of pictures of the building and like um, they have like diagrams and maps and stuff of it. And the space between the two buildings, it's not very big. It's almost like a, an alleyway. Okay. So it's not very wide. And so by the late 50s, the community had shifted to, and the parish would have had about 4,500 registered families was now mostly Italian. So there is just a ton of people. Tight-knit first and second generation Italian families were sharing homes. And at this point, it really feels like a city inside of a city. So you got like, this community is just close. You know, you got, it's just your stereotypical Italian families. You got your grandma, your grandpa, your mom, your dad, the kids, like they're all sharing the same place. But it's like, everybody's doing that. Right. So the parish was so heavy, heavily populated that the church had seen times where they were holding mass 10 times a day. Oh, my God. Right? Um, and the Our Lady of Angels school had its hands full, too. Classes at OLA, or Old Lady Association, as some students would call it, which... That's <laughs> adorable. When I saw that, I was fucking cackling. Like, I mean, <laughs> that's what kids do, right? Uh-huh. I had a teacher. I can't remember if it was, like, second or third grade but his name was mr cazetti and of course we all called him mr spaghetti uh but it wasn't like because he was a shitty teacher we were just yeah kids are assholes victim to a name that rhymes confirm (laughs) i had a mr burger in the fourth grade a mr burger (laughs) mr burger (laughs) oh fuck i just old lady association i felt that so hard (laughs) So, in 1958, OLA had 1,600 students, which that's, for me, I don't know, it's hard to wrap my brain around school classes and how many people have in schools. Like, I know we talked about that in our mom group a while ago, and it was crazy to see all the differences. I know, like, my husband's graduating class was, like, 13 people. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, I was homeschooled for the most part, and so is my kid, so I don't know. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, 1958, 1,600 students. This is an elementary school, by the way. Okay. Um, I've looked at pictures of the school. They really had these students packed in there. Like, obviously, it was very, very organized. It had to be, but shit. Like, there was a lot of fucking kids. Yeah. Uh, I cannot imagine being a teacher of some of these class sizes. I can't imagine being a teacher in the class sizes today, to be honest with you yeah um my mother-in-law's a teacher and every year she's fucking loaded to the max like god bless her we gotta take care of our teachers y'all i hope that the pandemic has really opened eyes that our teachers are grossly undervalued yeah i don't think it's opened enough Ugh. just wait you idiots keep going out and get spreading <laughs> this covid you'll find out i don't think you want to do years and years of this homeschool mm-hmm. shit no, this is why we can't have nice things. Right. No one will follow directions, God. but here we go. <laughs> um, 
So these classes, they held anywhere from 40 to 70 students. Oh, wow. There's a class of 70 students. I can. Wow. Can you fucking imagine being no, a teacher? That's huge. Even I know that's huge. There's not enough Jesus juice in the world. Trust me. <laughs> On December 1st, 1958, students were returning to school at OLA following the Thanksgiving Day holiday. There had been about a flu going around, and that Monday had actually, there had been more student absences than normal that season. Um, that morning, it was also, like, super fucking cold. Temps were sitting at 19 degrees, and the high for the day was only projected to reach 30 so the kids got to school they would hang their coats and scars on these pegs outside in the hallway um obviously there was no lockers and these classes like i said they're jam-packed you're not bringing that shit in the classroom and it's too fucking crowded Mm -hmm. so they'd hang their coats outside and then they'd go into class the school day went like so many before it did about an hour before school was to be let out that day the classrooms that were heated by radiators, heated by a coal-fired um, broiler in the basement, it grew increasingly warm in these classrooms. Mm. None shrugged it off as it was, like I said, it was really cold that day. And they just figured like the janitor was overcompensating and just like cranking up the heat. But in one of the cardboard trash bins, Located in the basement, a fire began to smolder around 2, 2.15 that afternoon. Because of the growing heat, the smoldering fire, one of the basement windows shattered and quickly an influx of fresh air made its way inside, giving the small fire enough oxygen to turn into a full-on blaze. So this is in the basement. The fire had plenty of things um, in the basement to feed on to um there was a roll of tar paper sitting nearby there was cardboard boxes and newspapers and old test exams that were stored there and there was also um clothes donations from an annual clothing drive that was done a week before that were being stored there in the interim so just so much crap down there yeah organized but lots of crap yeah Three eighth-grade girls returning from an errand were on the north end staircase when they encountered smoke, sending them into coughing fits. They hurried back into their class in room 211 to tell their teacher, Sister Mary Helene O'Neill, when she opened the door, the smoke was so bad she couldn't possibly, she knew they couldn't possibly leave through the hall. It was just, it was too much, so she slammed the door shut. Meanwhile, the school's janitor, James Raymond, He was walking outside the school when he noticed a strange red glow coming from one of the lower windows. As he raced into the basement, he saw two boys in the uh, broiler room emptying trash. A lot of them would just like take the trash and unload them. Um, He yelled at them to get out and the two, um, they also ran back to class to notify their teacher of the fire. So it's no secret that Catholic schools are stereotypically strict. You know, it's not uncommon to hear stories about, you know, the no-nonsense nuns. The the nuns were mean. Like, you didn't fuck with the nuns. Um, Co-author of the book I read to sleep with the angels said in a completely separate interview, quote, they maintained strict discipline in those buildings and they were feared. To some extent, they were loved, but they were feared. And the kids knew not to get out of line. It was kind of their ability. So... 
you had this chain of command of sorts and it wound up, it really wound up being the Achilles heel in this fire. The kids notified the teacher of the fire. So then the teachers, they would notify the mother superior or which is like the principal. And that way, and that's when the alarm will be sounded. Okay. That's just how it's done. It's also an incredible waste of precious time. Yeah. So the two boys, they tell their teacher, um, and she also tells a neighboring class, a teacher in a neighboring classroom about the fire. And they gather their students up and kind of just herd them into the annex. And the two start looking for Mother Superior to tell her what's going on. They couldn't find her. She was actually in the opposite wing of the school, acting as a substitute for a sixth teacher that had called out that day. Oh, God. So at this point, they're fearing that they can't wait any longer for permission to evacuate. Right. So the two t- teachers, they gather their children's and their children and they start moving them out of the school building into the church. Like I said, the, the church is a separate building. Right. On the way out, one of the teachers pulled the alarm. It didn't fucking ring. Why? It just didn't fucking ring. So she just, they keep going. They've got to get these kids safe. So while this is going down, it's like 2.30 at this point, and James, the janitor, he ran to the rectory, like another separate building. When he saw a housekeeper named Nora cooking dinner for the priest, he yelled for her to call the fire department and then raced off to the school's only fire escape to help evacuate students. And Nora did dial the seven-digit number to call the fire department, um... But for some reason, there was an unexplained delay, and that call would actually go through at like 2.42, a full 12 minutes after James had alerted her of the situation. Oh, my God. This is pre-911, so I I wonder, I don't know, it's never been concluded why there was a delay. Um, I wonder if maybe she had trouble locating the phone number. Yeah. I don't know, but... 12 minutes. It's a lot of fucking time when there's a fire. Oh, yeah. Um, there was another problem. Uh, to complicate things even more, Nora gave them the address to the rectory, not the school oh, building. Oh, my God. Sp- also, speculation on my part, but I feel like if someone comes in screaming fire, you're really working with limited information. I wasn't there. I don't know what happened, but she wasn't the only one who did this. There were six calls to the fire department Um, that gave them the rectory's address. Oh, wow. The fire quickly made its way up a wooden staircase to the first floor where it was met with a closed door. Because the door was closed, the fire continued to move up the staircase to the second floor where, because the school had been grandfathered in when it came to newer fire codes, there wasn't a door on this floor giving free roam to the blaze. Uh, we need to not grandfather in fire code shit. Let's not grandfather in anything. I'm so I mean, yeah. fucking sick of that term. No. Yeah. God damn it. Stop it. Oh, this yeah. is ridiculous. The fire also finds another route within the walls of the school um, through a pipe chase. 
a pipe chase is basically it's a vertical tunnel in the building and it's pretty much used to hide all like the plumbing pipes okay in ola the pipe chase ran from the basement all the way to the attic and an old water fountain had been removed so there's just this hole on this pipe chase and so now it's like acting as a chimney and so this fire is like going from the basement all the way up to the attic through this pipe chase something about like fire and walls like yeah it's one of those things that fucking it just freaks me out i hate it yeah i hate it is this our first major fire episode mm-hmm Wow. Yeah. It's scary. That took so long. So, yeah, you have this fire that's like, it's going up this pipe chase. Um, It's roaming the hall on the second floor. Um, And now it's it's reached the top of the building. Okay. Okay. The school's roof had never been properly replaced over the years. Instead, it had five roof layers full of tar and which proved to be difficult for the fire to kind of eat through since the fire couldn't go up and out through the roof it instead moved across the ceiling above the heads of nuns and students none the wiser oh my god so it's just like covering the ceilings and and they don't know there's just classes underneath um OLA, to its core, had everything to feed this fire and hardly anything to escape it. You had these wooden staircases and wood trim, like, completely throughout the school. Coats hung in the hallway. Inside the classroom, ceiling had wheat fiber ceiling tiles and glass globe lighting fixtures that would explode with heat and send a shower of glass on the heads of students below. Cool. That sounds perfect. Mm Mm-hmm. Trash bins were cardboard. And the chalkboards were made of a fiber type board instead of slate, as we do now today. Uh, and there were transoms. I've actually lived in a couple places with transoms. If you did, if you know, you guys don't know what they are. It's basically so you have a door, and then above it is like a hinged window that you can open and close. Have you seen those before? I'm I'm sure I have, but I'm not sure. I don't really think I know what they are. A lot of, like, legacy buildings will have them. Like, if you go to, like, an old courthouse or something like that, it's just, it's just like a little window okay. above the I door. I know what you mean. Yeah, and it's basically used, like, for, like, ventilation, like, especially before, like, air conditioning, you know, just okay. kind of get, like, yeah. ventilation going. Uh, okay. It's also fucking terrible for a fire because it just invites smoke and fire like inside the rooms. Yeah. Besides that, um, they also had these like super highly varnished wooden desks. I know everybody's seen pictures of them. Um, most of the desks were bolted to the ground. So there's no like moving shit out of the way. They're just there. That's where they stay. Also, very upsetting, with no sprinkler systems in the school, there was nothing internally, like, stopping the fire from just consuming everything. There's nothing, just no fucking sprinklers. So once the children were safe in the church from the two classrooms I was telling you about earlier um, that left before the alarm, the teacher returned to the alarm box that didn't sound, and she pulled it once again. This time... The alarm sounded, but 
this was like an old school alarm. This alarm is not connected to any sort of fire department. This is only to notify the occupants in the building. Another problem with this alarm. It sounded very similar to the dismissal bell. Oh, God. I knew you were going to say that before you said it. Mm -hmm. And it was also really close to the end of the school day. So it actually did not serve its purpose at all. It just led to, like, confusion. Like, why in the fuck is this bell going off? Like, it's not the end of the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. At this point in the fire, so the second floor hallway, it, like, the kids are trapped in their classrooms. The primary exit used for fire drills is now, and now the only fire escape, they're inaccessible. Some of the nuns have ordered their students to sit at their desk and pray while they wait for help. Oh, my God. Panic. Some of the children didn't listen. Um, And outside, at a candy shop a block and a half away, the owner saw children leaping from the school windows. She rushed back into her store and called the fire department. This call would come through just one minute after Nora's call earlier. If that just goes to show you, like, how yeah. fast. like How much things had time to escalate. Fires fucking happen fast. Mm. Um, so, in the meantime, panicked parents and neighbors of the school, they began racing to get um, ladders. They're, like, going to their houses and their garage, and they're pulling out any ladder they can find and they're just like hauling them you know to the building to get these kids out of the window like the (sighs) ola's architecture include an english style basement so it's a type of basement that sits partially above ground so the ola is normally a two-story building at this point because of the basement it's actually like two and a half stories okay Ladders at the time are like two-story ladders. So all these people are coming with their ladders and they're, they can't reach the fucking window. So they're like piled up and it's just like, there's nothing you can do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kids are like just fucking, they're still jumping. It's so upsetting, you guys. I'm really sorry. I'm trying to make this. Okay. I'm just going to have to ask are they surviving as they're jumping or no um some of them are okay um a lot of them are severely injured um see the thing is is like they're jumping and they're it's not grass it's concrete and did did you already say i'm sorry i missed it if you did did you say um what is the age range of these kids Okay, so the age range is going to be about third grade up. Um, like the kindergarten and stuff were actually in a separate wing. So it's going to be like mainly, you're going to see like third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. It's going to be okay. in this. About four, you got these ladders. They're not tall enough. So four minutes after the first call, the fire department arrives at the rectory only to learn, obviously, they're in the wrong place. Uh, reloading and moving their trucks to the south side of the school where the fire was, they were faced with another upsetting obstacle, a fucking seven-foot wrought iron gate, and it was locked. 
Um, oh fucking God. Yeah, the blaze was intensifying. Toxic gas and smoke are, like, engulfing these classrooms. Um, these firemen, they're watching these kids jump. Like, I, one of them was like, oh, my God, they're killing themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they're watching this, and they're doing everything they can. They're, like, battering this gate with like sledgehammers and ladders and it's going to be two full minutes before they can make their way through um a fire hose was stretched up the fire escape and some progress was being made but a burst length in the hose caused them to bail on the effort like the hose it had a hole in it, it had a fucking hole if it could go wrong it went wrong hmm. um children are still fighting for fresh air at the windows they're i mean they're they're you're in a panic situation. Yeah. They're doing everything they can. You know, I can't even imagine. They're pushing and shoving each other. Um, and firefighters, they're desperately trying to retrieve them. The window ledges in the classroom, they're over three feet high. So some of these smaller children, they can't even, like, climb up them easily, you know. And as a result, um, they were pushed back by some of the larger children, um, who are also just, they just need, they wanted to be rescued. Yeah. Nets were finally stretched below, but since the fire had been going on for almost 40 minutes before the firefighters arrived, um, there's little time and multiple children were jumping in nets at the same time. And they're like landing on each other, essentially oh. rendering the nets useless. Christ. And a disturbing statistic, more girls than boys would become victims of the fire not just because the boys were typically larger in stature, but simply because of dress code and belt loops. Uh, The boys were easily grabbed by their belts and pulled through windows by rescuers. Uh, It's a clothing details that just, they're not on girl skirts. So It wasn't long into the rescue attempts that firefighters noticed that the shirts of the children are turning from white to tan and then brown in like the matter of seconds. Then at 2.55, there was a flashover. Everything in the building had become so hot that every single flammable object was instantaneously ignited. A flashover normally occurs when temperatures reach around 1,100 degrees Fahrenheit. And the whole flashover event, it can happen in as little as 10 seconds. So it's just like everything just bursts in the flames at the same time. A flashover also, it's like, it's nearly impossible to survive. Oh, yeah. So shortly after the flashover, the roof um, finally collapses, um, but onto three of the second floor classrooms. The initial death toll that day was 87 children. Uh, oh, my God. Three nuns. Five more children will eventually pass from their injury, uh, raising the total to 95. There was 55 girls, 37 boys, and three nuns that lost their lives in the Our Lady of the Angels fire. The, oh, my God. It's fucking terrible. I'm sorry, guys. I'm really <laughs> sorry. Um, the first ambulances brought children to St. Anne's Hospital, who were none the wiser that a fire had just fucking, like, decimated the school. Grace Riley, an emergency nurse at St. Anne, said, quote, ambulance by ambulance by ambulance. They just kept coming. It was just earth-shattering to look in a room and see all those little bodies and see the parents screaming, where's my child? Where is my child? 
Oh, man. Sorry. God bless it. Oh, my gosh. It's really hard. Um, It was Ugh. super common, too, because in, in the hysteria, um, the children were being tended to everywhere. You know, like, grown-ups everywhere, like, just grabbing these children. They're putting them in cars. They're trying to take care of them. The owner of the candy shop, she's taking kids in and taking care of them. Like, everybody is fucking grabbing every kid they see to take care of. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's just, like, it's mass hysteria. And the parents just, so many parents couldn't, it's 58. You know, there's not cell phones. There's. Yeah. It was they couldn't find their kids. Um, so a lot of these students, I mean, they weren't just taken to St. Anne's. They were taken to like several hospitals in the surrounding area. Um, when children couldn't be found in the hospitals, um, families crowded the last place that they could be possibly be found, and which was the hospital morgue. Because of the influx of families and the condition of the overwhelming number of deceased children, personal effects and items like clothes and jewelry from the victims were, they were actually brought up to the families to help make identification because they just felt like it's just too much, like, yeah, you know, kind of hurting these families down because there's so many, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so a lot of the identifications were, were made like that. I just can't even, I I can't even fathom. I can't. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. It's fucking Fuck you, Melanie. Why did you do this? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, like, seriously regretting it. Um, of the dead, two of the three girls in the beginning that saw the smoke in the star, uh, stairwell on returning class, um, two of them, they didn't survive. Um... The next part actually fills me with so much fucking rage. Um, it was really hard for me to contain. I don't think I've ever been this fucking mad before in my whole entire life. Uh, two different families, each with a daughter, um, they were struggled to come to terms with identifying their children, um, all because of a phone call that was made to the residents uh, while they were at the morgue. So... Messages from the caller were relayed to the parents of the two girls. Somebody called these poor fucking families saying that their daughters were alive, demanding a $25,000 ransom what the from each for the safe return of the girls. Who even thinks of this at a moment like that? Not, you're like at a morgue trying to identify your child and you have a fucking glimmer of hope and your hope is that somebody kidnapped your kid like it's so fucking ugly it's so I, ugly i just don't know who these I, I people don't know what kind of fucking person, exist oh they need to stop existing it's fucking gross after homicide detective searched the meeting spot where the exchange was supposed to happen um it was ruled a hoax and the families finally accepted the fate of their children. Um, they were the last two students to be identified. <sighs> Bummer. Oh, All right. Oh my God. So, just a week later, 1,200 displaced OLA students 
lined up by class to be bused to four neighboring schools to continue the school year. A week sounds really fucking fast to me, personally. Yeah, holy shit. Like, this is, like, 95 people. And a week later, you're going to school? Like, that's... That, that's really fast. Fucking bananas to me. Ugh. These are little kids, too. Yeah. Little kids. And they're going to have some unimaginable PTSD. Well, yeah. Um, so, they're being bused to these schools in... While they're waiting for the buses, they're lining up by class. One of the lines had three students in it. Like, it's Fuck. noticeable, like, who's not in those fucking lines. Oh, my You know God. what I mean? Yeah. That is so dark. Yeah, it's just... And the schools that they're being bused to, they look pretty much the same as OLA. Like, they're the, the same, like, style. They're the same, like condition so anything that like would remind these kids of a fire like it would trigger them things were not thought through here no it would trigger them and they would fucking just get up and leave the school like sometimes like in large groups and you know obviously the kids that were already at the school they're looking like what's going on you know what i mean just but nothing was said to them like, it's just the, let the it be. The kids at the school? Like, no one told them? No, nothing was said about the kids that survived this fire. Oh, like, yeah. um, you you know, you said PTSD. Like, it's it's not, it was not considered at all. Oh, um, my God. This, I mean, I know that wasn't really a thing then, but, like, how do you not just intuitively expect that those kids are going to be fucked up? They wanted to fucking forget it, Brian. They wanted to kid it. They actually discouraged these kids from fucking talking about it. Like what? They would stop if they started talking about it. They would make them stop. Ugh. Um. That. Uh, I mean, I know that so much of the things that we know now, like we had to figure it out somehow, but that just seems like it should have always been intuitive. Right. It just wasn't mm. not not in the situation. They didn't want him talking about it. It was like it was regarded as if it never happened. It didn't fucking happen. If it was discussed, like the dialogue that was used was also like confusing at best. Like nuns would remind parents who lost their children. They would say shit like God only takes the good ones. Uh, so imagine like you're in this large Italian family, lots of kids, say you lost a sibling, right? In the fire and you hear someone, you're in the fire too, you survive, but you hear this nun tell your parents that God only takes the good one. So you're sitting here like, am I in fact, I'm not good humor now. Oh my gosh. It's just. A lot of them have, like, That's major horrifying. survivor guilt, too. I mean, yeah, but that... Wow, what a message. It was messed up. Like, to, uh, I know it was a different time. It was a different culture. A lot of the things we know about psychology and everything now we know because of shit like this. But come on, people. I don't know. It's like, just... Just think for two seconds. For two seconds. I just... I can't... 
I try to like put myself in different mm. decades, like how it, I just don't see it, you know? No, not, not this one. No. This, someone has to have some empathy somewhere. Yeah. It, that, that just seems like an empathy failure, full stop. I don't know. Um, this was really strange too. Nobody really seemed to want to sue the church for the loss of their children. Um, weird. Yeah. There were only three wrongful death suits that were made out of, you know, 92 children that passed away. Um, wow. Yeah, three. Donations poured in, obviously, um, but the church never officially was on the hook financially for this fire. So six months later, an arson was attempted at the Our Lady uh, of Angels Church in the church what building. What the hell? Mm-hmm. Two vigil candlelights were placed under the bench in a confessional, and the curtain was removed and placed next to it, burning. Luckily, it was caught before anything major became of it, but nothing ever came of it. Nothing ever came of any of it. No person or establishment was ever held responsible for either fire. We hear this so much. People don't get held accountable for these things, and it makes me mad. Um... The Our Lady of the Angels School, it will be rebuilt, um, stands of a memorial um, to the, those lost in the fire. It's just a new school, high tech. They've got like the best fire safety things that you can possibly get. Um, and the kids, you know, for that matter, they love it. They love coming back to the new school. They feel safe. Um, but, you know, three years pass by and still nothing is coming up from these investigations until a fire department in Cicero, Illinois would receive a letter from a 13 year old boy confessing to an apartment fire that he had set two days earlier by crumpling up papers and lighting them at the base of a, an apartment stairwell. Oh no. Mm-hmm. So they were able to locate this boy, right? Mm-hmm. And they start questioning him and it immediately becomes clear that he's a serial arsonist. Oh. Um, he often would, like, slip away on his newspaper routes to start little fires everywhere. So he confessed that his first fire he started was at the age of five um, by striking a match, um, causing a spray paint can to explode in the family garage. Um, he insisted he never set fires to hurt people, but he loved, you know, he just loved fire trucks. Um, quote, I love fire sirens. I love to watch fire trucks. I have a siren on my bicycle and I ride around with it on half the time. Okay. You little psycho. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not here for this. And like I said, if you guys can stomach the book, there are a lot of details about, um, this kid that I won't get into because it's just going to take way too much time. But I'm, I'm telling you, like, check it out. It's, it's super interesting. Um, with a little more probing, the detective found out something else interesting. The kid wasn't always from Cicero. Uh, he was actually once a student at OLA, most notably oh. the 1950 fire. He was a student. His parents, who were well aware of the young boy's affinity for fire did not believe that he was capable of setting this one 
they paid for out of their own pocket um, a lie detector test to be administered on him because they were just like, there's no way. Um, but they, they wanted those results to remain confidential, you know, cause yeah. they pay for it. So during the exam, this kid confesses to setting the fire. Like it doesn't take long and it, it tracks, you know, I know lie detector tests. Yeah. But yeah, he's telling the truth. He's confessing to this fire. And he's giving these details about, like, where the fire started, how it started by him throwing lit matches in, in the cardboard drum. In the cardboard drum, they have, like, these metal rings on the top and bottom. And so he's very specific with it. He tells him it's next to the stairwell. He even had, like, a pencil sketch, you know, drawing where this yeah. happened. Um, the detail about it being lit in the cardboard drum, it had never been released to the public. So this is like a detail only the arsonist would know. Yeah. Um, very convincing argument that, you know, he's guilty. Yeah. So when the papers in the drum caught fire, I guess he just like quietly returned to class. Oh, Um, He just figured the janitor would like stumble upon it and put it out and be no big deal. Like that's like he thought that. Um, So murmurings of like a suspect, it's like making this round. Obviously, the test results are not confidential. Like people are getting a hold of them. Yeah. Um, His teacher, Miss Tristano at OLA, she was asked um, about the student by detectives, um, she basically said that he would leave class any chance he would get. Um, and the boy notoriously, like, he just had deplorable behavior. He was just a bad kid. So, I mean, it seems like a slam dunk, right? Yeah. He admits to it. He's never charged for this fire. Is it because of his age? Mm-hmm. In family court, he recanted his confession. Um, and it said that the judge did believe he was guilty but the boy was like 10 years old when this fire happened so he would be too young to actually be convicted of the crime if he was proven guilty anyways so and if he was proven guilty like the judge also feared that the kid's life would be in some serious jeopardy you know which look 95 people are dead like his life would absolutely be in jeopardy yeah. I, I firmly believe that. I don't know. It's make it's icky. It's still icky to me. I'm I'm so bothered by the thought that he knew the outcome. I mean maybe he thought that wouldn't happen, but like he knew it did and he apparently went home and was cool and calm enough that his parents were felt that they should that he would pass a lie detector test. Yeah. They, they, he, he gave no signs. That's, that's such a disturbing thought. And he's setting fucking fires everywhere still. And his parents know this. He's getting in trouble for this shit. Yeah. I don't know. Walks like a duck. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe not, but I'm sorry. For me personally, all of the evidence, like, and there's so much more evidence points to it. So... They don't charge him. 
But he, at this point, he's 13. So they do convict him of these apartment fires. Like, he's charged for that. Um, He ultimately serves, like, little time, though, you know? And after that, he appears to live, like, a pretty normal life. Um, He served in Vietnam, and he eventually passed away um, in 2004. A lot of the sites won't name him just because it's not fair. One, he was a minor. Two, they believe it's, like, not fair, yeah. For his family, you know, because he's never yeah. been convicted. So I know what his name is. I'm not going to say it, you know, just I'll, I'll respect that, too. But yeah. I still think he fucking did it. Um, yeah. So some people believe that he wasn't convicted simply out of, like, self-preservation of a well-connected Catholic church. Mm, I mean, that's very on brand for the Catholic church. Yeah. Um you know, it's thought it was just this massive fucking cover up. Um, allegedly, several students gave the boy's name to investigators, and uh, within the day, within days, like of the fire, and still nothing came up to it. That judge also was very connected to the church as well, so it's possible. Um, but yeah, so. If the boy was responsible for setting the fire, ultimately the school and the church would be responsible as well. Because it's their responsibility to make sure that their kids are being watched over and not doing fucking stupid shit. Yeah. So, you know, it just, it sounds like they were trying to avoid a lawsuit. There's a really compelling argument for that. God bless it. I hate it. Which, everything about this. Yeah. In the end, the Our Lady of the Angels fire, it did lead, like I said, to a complete overhaul of school fire safety laws. Because of the fire, legislation allowed school districts to levy a special homeowner tax to pay for safety improvements um, without a referendum. And although Our Lady of the Angels school fire was directly the reason for this legislation, um, it didn't include Catholic schools. They had to they had to find their own funds to meet these safety oh. codes. Oh wow! So, yeah, that is uh, the very fucking depressing Our Lady of the Angels fire. Well, that was absolutely dreadful. I am never doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Yeah, it's hard. Um. When I I was pulling some research, I was like waiting in the pickup line uh, to pick up two of two of my girls are in school, uh, Ava and Aria, and I was actually like looking through these maps. And, God, it was so weird because I'm sitting there like I got so distracted, and I was just looking at their school. I'm like, are the windows low? Where are the doors? Because it's like. I don't know. I've never looked at my kids' school to be. No, I mean you just you you just assume somebody is. I'm not looking at window ledges. Yeah, you trust when yeah. you send your kids to these places mm-hmm. that they're safe. I don't you, know. You trust that they've thought that through. Yeah. That's sad. <sighs> that was a fucking bummer. Do you have any palate cleansers? Um, 
Yeah. So when you make macaroni and cheese, <laughs> you strain and rinse the noodles and put them on the side. You melt the butter and the milk, heat it all up, whisk in the powder. Then you mix it all together. Wrong. Come on. Golly. Nope. Can you do something a lot lighter next week? Good God. I mean, you already stole the Wholesome Canada story. (laughs) Man, I really went from one end to the other, didn't I? Yes, you did. (laughs) Yeah, I have actually at this point no clue what I'm going to cover this week, but man, it can't be. It's going to have to be a little lighter. Yeah. Well, thanks for bearing with that. I won't. I won't do another really fucking awful episode for a long time. I mean, there can't probably be that many that are that awful. Yeah, I mean, be surprised. You know what I want to do? What do you want to do? I don't. I don't really think I can. What? I want to do the Titanic so bad, but like, what is there to say? Oh, there's so much to say. That has that mean? everyone doesn't already know. Oh my gosh, there's got to be something. I and don't you love know. the Titanic. Yeah, right before. Um, and it would have to be multiple part. Oh God. <laughs> right before. And it would have to cut off right at Rose getting drawn at the heart of it by Jack, like a French girl. Oh, can we watch the movie together at the same time? I will watch that movie any day of the week. Actually, right before we recorded, like, this is what I was doing while I waited for you to be ready. Um, Eric and I were playing a Titanic board game. There's a Titanic board game? Uh-huh. He bought it for me for our anniversary. And it is the most convoluted game I've ever played. Listen. It, it listen. is very complicated. There's your fucking... See, there's always something. There's a Titanic board game. I didn't know that. See, you could totally do an episode. You find all these little nuggets. It's my dream. I really want to do it, but I I don't know what. I don't know. What what the hell is there left to say about the damn Titanic? But if I think about it and I think of something that there is, I'm going to say it. I think a refresher course never hurt anybody. Or maybe like a, um, a common myths kind of thing. Like a myth buster? Mm-hmm. Mm. Like I he, don't know. Like there was room for him on that fucking door. <laughs> yes. Yes. Of course. Yes. Uh, I don't know. That's that's uh, floating around. No pun. Well, pun intended. Who am I kidding in my head? <laughs> we'll see what happens. Very. It's, it was very much intended. <laughs> I love it. Well, now that I've ruined everybody's day, I am off to bed. Yeah. Good Lord. Send me a voicemail. Tell me how much you hate me. Yeah, I will. Okay. (laughs) Finish writing your goddamn bio. Write yours first. Will do. Good night, Rian. Sweet dreams or no dreams. Hey, Horrible Ghouls. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to share your personal MarkSafe moment, you can send it to us at MarkSafePodcast at gmail.com. Please give our podcast a rate, review, and subscribe, and tell your buddies about us too. That goes a long way. 
If you want to further elevate your support, check out our MarkSafe Patreon page, where we have shoutouts, goodies, and some bonus content in the works. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks again, and as always, stay safe.